So chapter two, uh, in conversation with Christ, we are looking at um, the necessity of meditation. So it's pretty obvious, it's the chapter title. Um, just tossing it out there, what from the book's point of view would you say, or what does it say is the necessity of meditation? What, what, what's the author proposing? Absolutely necessary. For what reason is it absolutely necessary? St. Teresa says, if you neglect mental prayer, you will bring yourself to hell. That's right. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite the quote, right? He who neglects mental prayer needs not a devil to carry him to hell, but he brings himself there with his own hands. Now, I will note, I'm not necessarily the most scholarly individual in the world. However, the footnote just says it's quoted by Alphonsus, which makes me a little suspicious. But it does sound like Teresa of Avila to me. But so in any case, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great saying there. Um, anything else that, that anybody would just say, like, why is meditation necessary? Right? But I mean, so it's, it's an excellent answer. Anything else that struck you from the chapter that you want to bring? Mm-hmm. I think this is, I was reviewing notes from like our class with Brother Elijah, so I think this kind of a mix of the, what this said and that, but okay. just that, um, like in the Christian life, it's easy to fall into temptations, especially in our thoughts, if we're not filling up that place with prayer, almost like the gospel where um, the house is clean, but it's empty, and then the, the evil spirit comes back with like seven more. Great. Yeah. So, if you're not filling your thoughts and your mind like with, with this conversation and this relationship with God, it's, it's just very, very hard not to fall into temptation. Yeah, it's very good. And that's, that's, the, that's what the book says in it quite a bit. It's just this, I, this, this very true idea that if we're not allowing God to fill us, that something else will. That sin or temptation is going to be too much for us if we aren't entering into some sort of personal prayer where we're allowing God to affect us, right? Which is the idea of meditation. Not just that I'm, I'm rolling through some vocal prayers without any kind of connection with the Lord, but that there's something in meditation that's actually um, happening and, and affecting me. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, this is a, something that is, is mentioned in the chapter. Who um, initiates prayer? This is just an important point that's brought up in the chapter that that I really like. I think it's on page eight. Who initiates prayer? Okay, God, yep, the Holy Spirit. Our Lord himself has made the initial overture in this friendship, right? We must in our part reciprocate and strive to maintain the companionship at its highest level. And so the idea of meditation that, that the book is proposing is this conversation that leads to deeper friendship with Jesus, with the Trinity. However, it's, it's really important to recognize who initiates prayer. Now, just to, to, I'll just to sort of cite some other, some other friends on this one, St. John of the Cross, Living Flame of Love. I just saw this the other day. I'm like, oh, I'll read this in class. This is stanza three, commentary of the living flame of love, paragraph 28. 
Don't worry about that. But in any case, in the first place, John writes, it should be known that if anyone is seeking God, the beloved, the beloved, meaning God, is seeking that person much more. Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Jesus, at, toward, you know, after she enters into the transforming union, is in the seventh mansion, and is now writing and looking back at her life, she has this fascinating insight, right? So, like, she struggled, which is such a beautiful thing, right? She struggled for years to pray. And she forsook mental prayer, right? She forsook some of the deeper prayer that God was calling her to because it was too much, right? She, for some reason, she resisted it. And so she struggled to be able to pray. But looking back, what she realized was that even that struggling prayer was more God than her. What seemed to her, to just be her just forcing herself to get into the chapel and pray and sort of be able to do something, as she looked back from her perspective in the transforming union, she recognized God's hand in that as the bigger force of prayer, even when it seemed like God was totally absent in her prayer. Right? And so one of the things that somebody like a John of the Cross, somebody like a Teresa of Jesus gives us is this witness to the fact that even when it looks like you're the most important person in your prayer, you're not. Even when it looks like you're showing up in the chapel and you're hot <laughs> and tired and the fans are blowing hot air on you, you know, and <laughs> you're just, you just feel like you're barely hanging on. Even in that prayer, God is still the one that is the greater initiator than you, even when it feels like you're doing so much. Now, at this point, we have to just take that at their witness, probably, as their witness. But it's just important to, to be able to, when we go to pray, knowing their witness and to be able to say to the Lord, I know you're doing something. I know you're here with me, even though I feel like dry as dust, right? And this can be such a beautiful place to pray out of, brothers, is just this, this so maybe you don't feel consolation. Maybe you feel totally distracted, but your feelings aren't the most important part of your prayer. We want to pay attention to that because God speaks through those things, and we'll look at that some more, Consolation, desolation, right? These Ignatian, these Ignatian ideas. Well, I mean, they're all over the place. I mean, St. Peter of Alcantara says the same stuff, just in different words. But to be able to say, you're still coming to me, Jesus. And you're still the important one in this time of prayer. For myself, at least, that can really just open stuff up in the difficult times of prayer. So the initiator of prayer, the chapter just mentions, is the Lord right? Even when it doesn't feel like it. And, and just so the necessity of meditation to say a few more things just to repeat what you guys have already said. Meditation so, serves, this is on page nine, meditation serves a twofold purpose in the spiritual life. It aids the soul to attain closer union with Christ and it prevents our relapse into sin. Now that may seem like a totally obvious, simple statement. But I'd like to suggest, now you will find, as I draw on the board, 
one of my charisms is not craftsmanship or whatever that is that helps you to be a good like, person with your hands, right? Whatever that is. Now, it sounds so simple. So this is you. There's my stick figure. That's you. And so there's one draw. So this is the arrow heading towards sin. There it is. There's a pull in that direction. And there's a pull that will be the most holy trinity, right? And so meditation, right, this conversation with Christ facilitates moving us toward God and away from sin, weakening this arrow that points us towards sin and strengthening this arrow that draws us towards God. And I really want to emphasize, it's a draw to sin. We're inclined to sin, right? And we'll look at, I've just been, I've I've really been sitting with St. Francis and the Holy Spirit But when he talks about the flesh, right, he's talking about, or the body in some cases, the difficulty with St. Francis is he often uses the same words and means different things. St. Francis, help us out here. Why'd you do that? Because he probably wasn't thinking about it and too worried about it. He wasn't thinking about us, right? He was just going with it. But so St. Francis talks about the flesh. What is this? It's this inclination, right? This draw towards sin. We talk about the world of flesh and the devil. This is a real thing. What meditation is is meant to do is that it increases this connection with Jesus. And while I have this arrow going one way, that meditation draws us towards God, what this is ultimately looking like, meditation is this simple exchange where we have the arrow going both ways now, of me being drawn towards God and God entering into my life to draw me more. God's major work in us is to attract us to himself. And it's done in a thousand different ways. It includes the cross. It includes the cross. It includes pruning and purification. But if you were to ask me, Father Francis Mary, like what, is, what does it look like? The spiritual life looks like me and then these arrows between God and I of this mutual attraction. And the meditation, in a sense, is me allowing that attraction to draw me further into him. And then as my attraction into him strengthens, my attraction in the other direction towards sin weakens. Now, I'll simply... I'll mention this now. I may mention it again. Unfortunately, you'll find out that this is my seventh year being novice director, and I'm already having senior moments, so I'll probably repeat myself a bunch of times, but just look at me nicely, you know, like Grandpa a little bit, and just smile and nod, and you know, oh, okay, Grandpa, yeah, we never heard that one before. So I'll probably do something like this on the board a thousand times for you. The draw to sin ultimately, is really this. It's the draw to self. The two choices in the spiritual life are for God or for me. And meditation and this sort of prayer where there's this real exchange with the Lord is this trying to, draw my, trying to allow God to draw me off of myself. And on to him. Because after the fall, 
right? And the fall, like Genesis, the first few chapters of Genesis, to me, just give more and more and more light as time goes, right? Adam and Eve chose to reject God's help in divinization, and they chose to make themselves gods. And that's our struggle ever since, is self-idolatry. It may not feel like that, it may not look like that, but at the end of the day, Father Francis Mary, you know, sets up his little shrine in his cell and burns incense to an idol that looks like him, right? And you do the same thing. You may not feel that all the time, it may not be super obvious, but that's okay, right? But at the end of the day, all God's trying to do, and so when we talk about meditation, like, what's the necessity of this? Is so that I can get off of myself and get centered in the only one who will fulfill me which is the Holy Trinity. It's to get off of myself and to enter into union with him. It's to move away from sin, to move away from temptation, to move away from the world. And so while the chapter seems to say this thing which is so simple, meditation, mental prayer, this sort of praying is meant to help us to weaken temptation and draw us to God or increase our relationship with the Lord, but it's really saying everything in that. Like, that's what life is about, right? And, of course, there's more that could be said in a much broader context about our relationship with others and, you know, the body of Christ and all of that stuff. But insofar as personal prayer, this is very, very central. Um, let me see. Any immediate questions on that? Or I'm just looking to see if there's... A I'll just read a couple of quotations here. I mean, obviously you guys have seen these, but I like, the, I like the quotation from the soul of the apostolate. One of our great bishops overburdened with his duties explained this to a statesman who also had too much to do. The latter had asked the bishop the secret of his constant work. My dear friend, said the bishop, add to your other occupations half an hour's meditation every morning. Not only will you get through your business, but you will find time for still more. And, and I'll just offer two, two other just brief stories. Um, I've heard, there's lots of stories about Mother Teresa. I'm hoping most of them are true, right? <laughs> but so, that at one point when the society, right? So it's the society, society of the missionaries of charity, that's their title. So they call themselves the society, right? Instead of a community. When the society was getting started and really busy, right? Like sisters were feeling overwhelmed and it, as I understand it, it was at that point that mother added the holy hour. Like it wasn't something that she had initially in the schedule, right? So she adds this hour of prayer. And again, as, as, as I understand it, mother never wanted to excuse herself from anything, but she allowed herself this, that she got up before everybody else and had an hour in the chapel before things got rolling. And she was one of the most ridiculously busy women on the face of the earth, right? She was sleeping like hours. And so you, there's just this, you can see this, the fruitfulness, right, of the whole thing. And oh, what was the other one? Oh, this is a beautiful one. Uh, not, with, not with adoration, but uh, Father John Anthony knows this extremely well-to-do individual. Right? Um, he was a good Catholic. And and this guy was 
is very devoted to Our Lady, and he's, he's a huge businessman, like tons going on, lots of like corporations and all that stuff, huge. And he said, you know, I felt like I, I should pray more, and so I, I, I began to pray the rosary, and I, I started to, to pray all four mysteries, the rosary, every day, and I just found that I had more time than I had before. Now, this guy is like running, you know, like amazing, right? So the fruitfulness of prayer um, in our own personal lives, but to really like, there's something, there's this huge leap, there's a risk in prayer, and you don't feel it yet, because we're giving you space for prayer, but someday you'll have to take the risk too. Like, am I going to let, you know, let go of some of my meditation time so that I can prepare for the apostolate more? So I can do this. Like, you're going to have to make choices about, are you going to pray? Are you going to make more time for prayer? Are you going to let God have more space in your, in your day? And of course, there's situations where we need to let go of some stuff. But overall, that's going to be a big question for your life. Will you take the risk that God will fill in the cracks if you give him more time? All right? The necessity of meditation, this personal prayer. And simply, let's end with a Franciscan. St. Peter of Alcantara. So here we are. In mental prayer, the soul is purified from its sins, nourished with charity, confirmed in faith, and strengthened in hope. So the theological virtues. The mind expands, the affections dilate, the heart is purified, truth becomes evident, temptation is conquered, sadness dispelled, the senses are renovated, drooping powers revive, tepidity ceases, the rust of vices disappears. Out of mental prayer issues forth like living sparks, those desires of heaven which the soul conceives when inflamed with the fire of divine love. Sublime is the excellence of mental prayer, Great are its privileges. To mental prayer, heaven is opened. To mental prayer, heavenly secrets are manifested, and the ear of God ever attentive. That's pretty good, right? So there's, there's that necessity of mental prayer. Um, I think we're pretty good with that chapter. Anything else that, anything else that you guys would want to mention about chapter 2? No? We good? Okay. Boom, boom, boom.